What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. And, hmm, you know, it's interesting. I'm in this season of my life where I have a three-year-old. And um, it's going to date this podcast. That's fine. But it's be like a little moment in time. Uh, <laughs> little moment in time thing. We're recording this in, uh, in 2023. And my daughter, my eldest daughter, Emery, is three. And I have my, uh, my youngest daughter, is seven months. Anyway, it's interesting because in this season, more than ever, I'm appreciating that words matter. Words matter. Um, and a wise, a really, really brilliant senior executive um, that I work with on a very regular basis um, says often that one of the things you cannot get back are words that come out of your mouth when they come out of your mouth. It's that's it. And something about having a toddler, especially one who is as um, curious as my daughter is that I'm constantly reminded that the things I say and the way I say the things I say matter. And it's important for anyone listening to this podcast today, irrespective of your level or your background or what you're trying to achieve, that the words you say matter. As a leader, the words you say matter. And you can't get them back once you say them. You can apologize. You can throw more more words on top of the words you said, but you can't take back the things you said. You can try to add context and talk around it but you can't take the words back. Be mindful of the words you say. They matter. And someone's always listening. And there's always someone listening for the things that you don't say. Now, why am I talking about words on today's episode? Well, first of all, because again, the name of our show is Living Corporate. It's Real Talk in a Corporate World. This series is called Real Talk Tuesdays. So, and you listen to a podcast, right? So, of course, <laughs> if there was any place that you would hear about words mattering, it should be here, right? But on top of that, it's because of the person that we're interviewing today. I'm so excited, I'm honored actually, that we were able to secure this guest. And if you don't know, who this is, I know you know the company, Dictionary.com. Dictionary.com is led by Dara Sanderson. She's the CEO of Dictionary.com. And we talk about her career journey. We talk about the impact of words. We talk about language. Uh, we talk about product and her vision around the future of Dictionary.com, especially in this world that continues to shift and change. Uh, in a variety of ways, uh, politically, socioeconomically. Um, I'm really thankful for the discussion we were to have with Dara today. And uh, we had fun. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. See you soon. Dara, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm well. Thank you for asking. How are you today? You know what? Life is life and Dara. I'm over here shaking, baking, moving, moving, grooving. It's just <laughs> a lot going on. Um, now, look, you've worked at some incredible brands, right? Like incredible brands. 
I'm always curious about like people's matriculation to CEO, especially mm-hmm. if it's not like at the same brand. Can yeah. you tell us about your journey to becoming CEO of Dictionary.com? <laughs> it's a long and winding path. Um, but yes, I have worked at a lot of different brands and, and a lot of different places, had a lot of different types of jobs. But I've been in digital specifically for a little over 20 years now. Um, and I started as an engineer. I used to actually build things and, you know, code, and it was lots of fun. And I'm self-taught because when I was in college, there the internet wasn't really a thing <laughs> yet. Like, it was just starting. Um, and when I got out of school, um, you know, the dot-com boom, and I would always loved computers from way back in the 80s, like Commodore 64 days. So I'm, now I'm really dating myself. I'm going way back. The Commodores? Um, <laughs> that's a great group, though. <laughs> in middle school but you know so dot-com boom is happening yeah um and i was super interested so i said all right you know i started to learn how to build web pages um and from there i got my first job at a company called hotjobs.com which does not exist anymore um and they got bought out by yahoo and so i was there through the first dot-com bus there's now been more than one um and you know i worked through that but it was i would say the biggest step i took was when i decided to move from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I took a job at the Walt Disney Company um, as an engineer again, building out Disneyland.com, DisneyWorld.com. And that was exciting. I'd always loved entertainment. um, And this was a chance for me to blend two things I loved, you know, the creative side, entertainment and digital. And this is at a time when, you know, big brands were really just starting to launch their sites and like really get more involved. So this is early 2000s still. Um, So I've worked at the Walt Disney Company more than one time actually. I started off in parks and resorts, later came back and worked on the television side, um, which was fantastic. Just working with the networks on doing digital extensions of television shows. And at that time, really, digital, you know, and TV was still a baby. It's so funny how things have progressed. Like we were the, you know, the oh, the digital people, they're over there, but really the 5,000 pound gorilla was still, you know, linear television. That's where the, the dollars were. And my how times have changed. You know, in in that period. So, you know, I was there for a while and it was at the Walt Disney Company that I made the transition from more of an engineering focus to more of a business focus. Um, I've always been that engineer that was able to go into the room and talk to the suits uh, about about how things work and explain things and help turn those ideas into digital executions. But now I got to be on that side and say, hey, here are some ideas, right? So I had the underpinnings of engineering about how things work and then I could take the creative and business side and turn it into that. So that was exciting. So, you know, I was there again and then I later I went to a few other places. I've worked at Fox, I've worked at Viacom, I've done lots of different things. Um, and then later on I came back to run uh, what was called Platforms now at Marvel Entertainment, which again was the Walt Disney Company. Um, you know, it's like I kept going back <laughs> to Disney, but um, it was there that I was overseeing all the digital executions for Marvel Entertainment. So that's Marvel.com, any mobile apps, digital licensing, helping the marketing 
marketing teams for TV and movies. Like, you know, there's a new movie coming out. What are we doing on Marvel.com to help extend that? Um, so that was fun. And I always got to use all the different things I had done, right? Everything from product to engineering to data, um, design. I'm a terrible designer. Um, you know, I got to do all that. So, you know, it just was a, a progression over the years of different things. And then I was running product at a company called The Skim um, when this opportunity came about. And I, you know, I've always been a person to raise my hand and say, I can do that, even if I'd never done it before. Um, having the, you know, as I've gotten older, having more and more confidence to say, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could do that. Like, and not being afraid to go take a chance. And so here I now sit in this seat. So now you've made two age references. And I just want to say, we're not a... <laughs> We're going to put this up on YouTube, but well, my primary is audio. Let me tell you something. You said the Commodores, and then you said you kind of alluded to it. You look phenomenal. Your skin is incredible. So congratulations. Hanging in there. Hey, hey you're hanging in great. Okay. Um, so first of all, it's interesting how you talk to the fact that you came from a space of building things. And I really believe that like, it's, it's the systems thinkers of the world that really make the world go around. The fact that you came from a background of actually like of a technical skill and understanding like how this piece fits into the larger puzzle, the implications of building. And I think like when you talk about like the principles of like the principles of design or build or like or productization or building something like those principles, they carry on when you talk about larger org design and like systemic long term execution. That's super dope. So, you know, dictionary.com has been a prominent online source resource for language and definitions. How do you envision um, the future of dictionary.com in an increasingly digital and tech driven world? Like, yep. and, and, and let me add a part B to that question because, okay. um, because as I think about like just the way language is shifting and changing and how we're, how we're interacting in like digital spaces, mm-hmm. I, I ask myself like, where where does like like our our legacy tools mm-hmm. like where do they fit in this new and evolving world you know yep all right so multi-part question so first yes you know it's been around a long time we just had our 28th birthday actually do you believe that dictionary.com um and in that space i mean i just talked about my evolution right over 20 odd years and it's amazing just how much technology has changed right in just that short amount of time and it's like it feels like it's always accelerating even faster but you know my point of view is as long as language exists (laughs) the dictionary will always be important to help people find meaning and express themselves. And so just as in the past, we made the leap from paper (laughs) dictionary to online resource, I think it's really important for us to continue to find new ways to meet people where they are and make it even easier for them to communicate whether and learn things, right? So whether that be in the boardroom or the classroom, we want you to be able to find us on your phone, your tablet, your Alexa, or whatever new device, you know, that's coming along because there's always something new. So it's ever evolving. Um, So the place will always be there, but it may look a little different. Yeah. I mean, as I think about it, right. So I'll tell you when I use a dictionary these days Mm -hmm. is I'm, especially if I'm online or I'm talking to my people and it's like, that people use words. I'm like, mm, you don't really know what that word means. Let me go back show you something because you're not miss your you're abusing that word a bit. Uh, so, but to that end, to your point about like 
about spaces evolving and language evolving, like mm-hmm. new words are being added to dictionaries like regularly. That's right. I'm curious, like, what does it look like for dictionary.com to keep up with like, yeah. cause with, with like, these changes and assure accuracy and relevance. Because especially I would imagine, like, especially in this age of disinformation, misinformation, and people using words to now mean new things. Yep. In 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 a in a with an effort to usurp or damage, like there has to be some balance between really like being a vanguard of language while at the same time honoring the very yeah. nature of a living language, the fact that it does shift and change with culture. Like how do y'all handle that? Yeah, so people are very prolific. They just won't stop making up new words. <laughs> it's always happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so our lexicographers, these are the people who write the dictionary, um, yeah. and our editors, they're constantly watching current events. Um, and they're recording the language that's spin off of that. They look at television, radio, movies, you know, periodicals, social media, anything. They'll even like post up out of our staff meetings when they hear words. Like their, their, their antenna is always up. So there are thousands of new terms that they gather every year. They research them. They rank them. They sort them. Some of them they turn into dictionary entries and you'll see we do new words. Some of them they actually write longer articles about, but their research database is like, a fascinating snapshot of culture and society that's constantly changing. And so we want to stay relevant by assuring that we're representing language as it's used by many different communities, including communities that have historically been ignored or underrepresented when it comes to language. So, you know, for us, um, that's all a part of the research and staying relevant. You know, like to that end, right? Like, um, in the recent years, there's been like this growing emphasis on inclusivity and representation in language. Yep. So like, what is, and so we talk about, when you talk about your, your team, um, yep. part of this, this, this group, how, what does that fold into, um, yep. re, you know, just inclusivity and, and being respectful? Yeah, I mean, so this, that isn't a recent thing for us. You know, in recent years, it's become more of a topic, but, you know, our researchers have been looking at that for a long time. And part of the research that I mentioned is doing the work to ensure that our definitions are inclusive and respectful. We update definitions, too. We don't just put a word in and leave it. So words, meanings change, right? So it's our job to document and describe, but not dictate how words are used. So that means there's going to be some terms in the dictionary that can be offensive, right? There's still words. So our work is to ensure that those words that while they're included, they definitely have the proper context and they're clearly labeled as offensive, including information and um, notes about why it's offensive. So and beyond, you know, just the definitions, our editorial teams write all kinds of content about inclusive language. They give tips on how we can all better use them. I love that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting Last fall, and now this has been what I'm about to speak to is this is okay. there's there's new articles all the time around all of this. But I read this article saying black women are tired of being the mule of America, and and when I think about living corporate, um, even though I exist in this world as a cishet uh, black man, uh, one of the one of my personal credos and the things that we do at living corporate is we center and amplify historically marginalized voices, particularly black and brown voices, particularly black women, um, and even more and more specifically black trans women, but. We're really trying to make sure that we are um, de that we are re-emphasizing the most marginalized voices and history. Like every bit of data um, from in the colonized world shows that Black women historically and continue to be 
um, overworked, um, ov- overworked, undersupported, under-sponsored, um, with high, with again toxically high expectations, expected just to save everybody. Um, it was a you know. So anyway, this article, which is about Black Winter, is titled "Black Winter Time Being the Mule of America." I'll put it in the, in the show notes. It was about the position of overwork Black women are often put in for their own survival and the collective survival of the world. How do you believe, if you believe, this extends to Black women in senior executive positions, and how can institutions better support Black women um, in these corporate contexts? So. Yes, I do believe it extends to senior executives in much the same way as it does and has to any black woman who has to struggle to make things better for herself, her family, her community, by hook or by crook, any way that she can, right? Yeah. And so part of it for me, you know, is by recognizing and utilizing any power that I might have to open doors for somebody else, to speak up to give more access and then improve working conditions for others in the corporate world. We don't get to shy away from that, right? That, that's, that's not a thing. As far as institutions being more supportive, I think the best thing they can do is, again, to provide more opportunities for leaders like myself, right? Because having leaders like myself in these roles makes it that much easier for others to see that they can attain this also and be less afraid to join in. Um, but also to not shy away from open and honest conversations about a continuing lack of diversity. It's no secret. There's not a ton of black women CEOs, <laughs> you know, and then even harder conversations about unconscious bias and microaggressions, because these are the things that once people get in the door, they can lead people to not want to stay. So you have to be willing to open and talk about these things and address them. You're not going to solve everything, but you have to be open to talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think about this space and I think about like, so often, Dara, like we interview black women or we tip, we talk to a lot of like chief diversity officers or DEI directors or head, or head of people strategy. And like, especially in tech, right, where we'll interview them in like one year and then like eight months later be like, um, and they'll, we'll, they'll be added to our newsletter or they'll reach out to us and we'll be like, Hey, just checking in or we, you know, they're part of our, our comms. And then I get back, oh, this email is no longer part of the organization or whatever the case is. I look on LinkedIn, they've jumped somewhere else, right? Or they're off doing like their own thing. They've written a book or they're like, now they're becoming like, so like it's this common thing. I think, I think like the react, like to your point, right? Like what's beautiful about what I'm hearing from you is you're talking about power sharing and leverage to lift as you climb. I think like my challenge is like, as I think about these institutions, it's like, okay, when are we going to eventually create the space i'm in empowerment so that black women aren't having to like share the little bit that they have but there's actually an environment where they can actually all you know rise together you know what i mean when you find that answer (laughs) 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 okay um so 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 check this out like you know we're, we're in this rise of like voice assistants and smart devices like there's this like, and then you think about open AI and like all of these tools that are constantly listening all the time mm-hmm. and, and taking in data, taking in you, you, you're, you're now data. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's this increasing demand for language related services integrated into platforms, right? Yep. Um, like does dictionary.com have any plans to collaborate or integrated services with voice assistance or any other emerging technology that we're looking at right now? I'm going to give you a real short answer. 
yes. <laughs> you know, our, our product managers and engineers work on this type of stuff all the time. We have teams that are looking at AI, how we can use it, how we can be carefully using it, um, because there's still an element of human beings that needs to be involved with context and language. But the short answer is absolutely yes. These are things we're working on. Um, well, I, I love that. I'm not. I'm not asking you to do any pr- uh, product press releases. <laughs> On that, just when it's ready, just come on back to the show and we'll do it the proper way. Okay. So now, um, you know, look, education, we talked about this already about this age of misinformation and disinformation. Education is a crucial aspect of language development. Oh, yeah. How does dictionary.com support educators and students in their learning journeys? And what initiatives does the company have in place to foster literacy and language skills? So um, we, as I said, we're 28 years old, right? And we already have a well-established reputation as a source for improving language skills. I mean, we get over 60 million visitors to our sites every month. Um, so, wow. you know, that's a lot. A lot of them are students. They're teachers coming here. We have all sorts of different tools on the site for that. And without going into, again, too much detail doing product releases, we got a number of initiatives that we're working on to build out even more tools for teachers and students and parents because we want language learning to be comprehensive but also fun. You know, that's something that I really stress with my team all the time. We love language and we're a bunch of word nerds, right? How do we take that love and that passion and pass it on with our tools? Um, so we got lots of different things um, in the works that we're doing. So, you know, it's interesting, right? Like, especially as I think about like the, like, I mean, I don't, education has been like, um, yeah. has been on the forefront of like a lot of dialogue conversations over the oh, past yeah. few years. Um, as someone, I have a, I have a three-year-old who's, where she, she's learning how to read right now. She knows her alphabet, so we're just trying okay. to, and she she can sound out a couple of words. Yeah. We're trying we're trying to get her to you know continue forward. And I, we have a seven month old as well. So these these things are definitely on top of my mind for me. Is what is your thought on the fact that platforms like Dictionary dot com may end up being like the only education or like source of objective truth that some kids actually get. You know, my my thought, I hope we're not the only one. Let's just start there. You know, we do live in a world where there is just information everywhere, right? Um, there's tons of it coming at people all the time. And it can be really hard to grab attention. I mean, a lot of businesses face this challenge. Yeah. Um, when there's endless diversions and distractions all vying for your eyeballs and your right. brains, right? right. Um, but it is still really difficult to weed through all of that and find credible, trusted sources that you can go to. And look, I have no doubts about the expertise of my people and my team and the care and context that they put into the work that they do to continue to be a safe resource for people to get information in that sea of noise. So that's part of why I talked about us needing to evolve to meet people where they are to make it even easier for them to find us um, because you're right. You know, there's a lot of disinformation out there, misinformation out there. And we do try every day to be the antithesis of that. Um, but it can be difficult and we just have to keep putting the word out there, coming and talking to people about what we're doing. I mean, that's all a part of it. You know, it's interesting because as I think about like, I don't know, like it's scary, Dara. I can hold you. <laughs> it's scary when <laughs> these yeah. private institutions, like we're running to these private institutions and first, to be very clear, lovedictionary.com. This is not an ad, by the way. Uh, but I love it. <laughs> well, thank you anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's not an ad. Uh, I remember, it, for me, like, I remember um, 
because I'm also a word nerd. I love that phrase, word nerd. <laughs> uh, for me, what helped me learn, like literally when I was in first grade, for my in my free time, I would literally just read the dictionary um, and like write and then copy that, write the dictionary, like yeah. write copy, definition dictionary down. Like again, because I'm not, I ain't super young. I'm 33 years old. So, I, so, so, so when I was a kid, dictionaries were books, right? So okay. I would open it up and I would see, oh, and it would show me the letter in English. Then it would show me the letter in various languages. And I would write them all down. And I would write like the alphabets in the different languages that the dictionary showed me. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's a little, it's a little scary when I think about the fact that dictionary.com and not like some like central place that is like, a public good. And I, and I, and I understand to your point how you're describing it. Dictionary.com is serving as a public good, but it's, it's not like a federally regulated entity. The fact that like we're running to like a private institution because like these large institutions, anyway, this is not a podcast about it. <laughs> yeah, it's no, just a little, you. it's just a little spooky is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I hear you. And look, my thing is I, we are still humans, right? Yeah. I'm very much into the human aspect of what we do and I talked a lot about context and how you could go to a big public resource or even like an AI generated resource yeah. but a lot of times what you're not going to get is that extra context and that extra experience the human experience yeah. to understand the impact that word usage has yeah. um, and how the information you're delivering can impact someone not just them personally but how they're communicating to others and the impressions that they're giving so for me you know I, I hear you you know it is something to be scared about <laughs> you know um, but I do think that there will be us and other resources. There are still humans who are still really um, invested in caring about how information is being shared. We just we just got to keep making it known that we're here. A thousand percent. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting like, to your point about like you like this whole conversation you've been talking around, like the points of differentiation of dictionary.com. Now, you're the CEO of a, of, 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 of a, a globally recognized brand with probably, I would say, a top 10 domain of all time dictionary.com. <laughs> it's a pretty right? good one. It's pretty great. <laughs> now, now let me ask you this as as a CEO, right? Cuz you got to be mindful of how you show up and what you say. Do you ever have like beef with other language platforms and you like, <laughs> yo, I don't really appreciate y'all over here thinking y'all got my space with dictionary.com like gang gang like like what does that look like for you to be competitive? <laughs> so, no, there is no beef. <laughs> <laughs> We live in a free trade society. No. <laughs> Competition is good because you know what? Mm. We, we look at our competitors and they, they do exist, right? But yeah. we look at what are they doing well, mm -hmm. right? And how do we do that better, right? How do we continue to help each other improve? It's not even like necessarily a beef. It's like if I see something that looks good, I'm like, you know what? We should be doing something like that. We should be thinking about this differently. How do we help people even more? So yeah. there's there's no beef though. I didn't know if you like if you were like I I didn't know if like you saw Urban Dictionary around the corner and be like you better get out of here y'all ain't doing it. I just didn't know. Spaces that you know the English language is wide and varied as we talked about, and there are spaces that we are not in as much as others. And you know how do we? I'm more of a and you know this might sound like oh she for real. I'm more of a like how do we collaborate? Like, I love how that. How do we collaborate to bring everybody to the table? Yeah. So, you know, high tide lifts all boats, but there you go. But see, but see, that goes back to like just the meta narrative of black women and how dope y'all are. But okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> uh, to, to that end, right? When I think about like the larger lexicon and frankly how black folks, 
It's like like language, Ameri- like um, like language in a, in this country is shaped and driven by black culture, right? And so like to your point about collaboration, I'm curious to see like what does it really look like to continue to honor um, the history and the historical contributions of black and brown populations to our larger lexicon because you know that's like to your point like some of these platforms and it's funny because i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you tell you a secret dog so white white folks really love using urban dictionary and they come into me and being like that's what that means right i'm like nah that's not what that means That's not what that means at all. So it would be so to and I'm not pitching anything right now, nor am I nor am I releasing a product for y'all. It would be great to figure out what it what are the points of collaboration between certain platforms that are really plugged into or are really, really focused mm-hmm. on culture and, yeah. and, and, and language and like established like to your point, almost like near thirty year old platforms like a dictionary.com to help bring credibility and drive that discussion even further like that and that would be something interesting to me it's a conversation it's funny I'm, i think i'm doing a podcast in a few weeks about aave yeah. um and and my so my head of um uh editorial lexicography he will give you a, like a 30 minute dissertation on how black american english gets incorporated into English over time and yeah. but the source where it came from people forget and we've talked about <laughs> how do we you know give a give a credit to where this came from like even something as simple as the word cool he'll right. talk to you about 20 minutes about where that came from like black music right yeah just so many words so it's a topic we, we talk about it a lot and how do we how do we include references to you know where it came from because there's a lot of it it's a lot of it now now, look, first of all, it's been a fire conversation. Um, you know, what I will say is early, you said, you're, you know, you and your team, y'all a bunch of word nerds. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I, and so obviously y'all, I'm sure you know, and your team has to live with the appreciation that words matter. Like yes, as you, as you think about this landscape, especially, uh, where we are today with the uh, economic pressures, social political landscape tensions, um, and then also organizations that are really trying to like, retain um their talent and and really drive an inclusive and equitable place to work what would you say are some critical words that executive leadership needs to embrace in this moment um i have a couple they're they're not just executive leadership but that's what we're talking about today this is something I, i think about a lot in my life empathy that's the first thing. Having empathy for different people's backgrounds, where they come from, what they're bringing to the table, really is a big part of helping to people feel more included and like they have a, a place. The second one I would say is self-awareness. Knowing that you don't know everything, right? That you can always still learn. Be aware of what you're doing in any conversation, any meeting. You know, being self-aware is the first step in knowing whether you are being beneficial to someone or in a situation or not, right? And being open enough to say, you know what, I don't know something. Um, I teach me so that I can learn how to do something better. And then a thing that I find and I try to use this as much as I can in my team and my org is transparency being open like the way the business works doesn't need to be a secret um you know the challenges that we are facing as a team we need to face them together you have to be open and transparent with your team as much as you can 
um, because that fosters an environment where people feel safe um, to speak up and ask questions. And I honestly feel that, you know, it really is when you have the right people in the right place and they feel like they can contribute. That's what moves business ahead. Yeah, man, I love that. Um, Dara, first of all, it was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. We consider you a friend of the show. Dictionary.com is welcome back anytime. You know, maybe we can work it out where we can get living corporate in, in Dictionary.com. You know, y'all put us in there. I don't know if y'all have a of a, a, a media section. We got to figure it out. But um, look, before we let you go, any uh, parting words or shout outs? Oh, parting words. I mean, it's always the same, right? Please visit us at Dictionary.com. Follow us on your socials. We're at Dictionary.com. Um, we're kind of fun. So you got to listen to what we're doing in there. Um, and yeah, we just are happy to be here. Thank you for having me on uh, to talk about Dictionary. Dope. Dar, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. And we're back. Yo, shout out to Dara. Shout out to Dictionary.com and the whole team over there. Very appreciative of everything y'all got going on. Shout out to the dictionary. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Words matter. All right. I love you. Make sure you take care of yourself. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.